I'm Alan, and I'm here with Magellan. This week, we're going to be... <laughs> Welcome to Scape Chats, episode 15. I'm Alan, and I'm here with Magellan. This week, we're going to be discussing season 2, episode 5 of Farscape, The Way We Weren't. And season two, episode six, picture if you will. First up is The Way We Weren't, which was directed by Tony Tilsa and written by a newcomer to the Farscape team, Naren Shankar. And it was originally aired April 14th, 2000. Right away, I just want to ask Magellan, what did you think of this episode? Because it's considered to be by many one of the best episodes of the show. Um, I think it rightfully deserves that title. I will say that going into it, I had it built up a bit too much for me. Uh, so it just felt like a really solid episode. And there was nothing about it that necessarily surprised me the way that I was expecting it to. But it is, I think it belongs in the same pantheon as episodes like A Human Reaction, where it's really strongly character focused and you get a huge moment from either one or two of, of the core characters. I agree 100%. It, I think I also had that sort of heightened expectation. But what worked for me was that there was a lot going on in both the A plot and the B plot of this episode. Like the flashback had its own entire arc and also the on-ship stuff had a full arc. And so I appreciated that about it. I, I felt like had the, the flashback just been like, oh, this is the what happened to Aaron, uh, we wouldn't have gotten the satisfaction that came from the last half of this episode, which is that it's just a series of really satisfying dramatic moments. Um, but the thing that really struck me uh, very early on in this episode is that it felt like a really good episode of Lost, mm. which is a show that I know you have not watched. Correct. And uh, is probably on like my top three favorite shows of all time, just personally. Um, but that show is at its best when, like in its earlier seasons, it is a complex and multi-character focused a plot with a single brief but tight throughout the episode flashback for one character mm -hmm. do, do and they do flashbacks a lot is that sort of the key of lost yeah that's like the most of the whole first half of the show and then they that's then they get into the, like flash forwards and flash sideways crap mm -hmm. And that's why people say that the show kind of drops off. But at its best, yes, it is an episode. It is a show where every episode has a solid flashback pervading through the whole thing. And uh, that's what I really liked about this episode is that it, it made me care a lot about not only Aaron but uh, over time Pilot mm -hmm. and to, and and sort of separating Pirate Pilot literally and uh, sort of plot wise from Moya and introducing how he became sort of bonded with her. I felt like it was one of the more interesting parts of this whole story. For sure, yeah. And it started right off with uh, a pilot, actually. But it was weird because they don't establish that you're watching a, a flashback at first. And um, it's it starts off with like a bunch of peacekeepers yelling at a feminine sounding pilot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, what is... I like forgot because I started this episode like early this morning. I'm like, wait, what? How, is this like a weird alternate universe sort of thing? Or like that episode of Adventure Time where everyone gender swaps and it's going to be like a weird thing? And then, no, it's just, it's another pilot. It's probably the same puppet, if we're going to just say that. But, um, yeah, that turned out to be a flashback, and we're introduced to uh, a young peacekeeper who goes by the name of... Uh, I just kept calling him boyfriend in my notes. What did you, what, do we know his, his name? name? Velorek. Velorek, which is a pretty cool, yeah, or Veloric, yeah. I just thought of him as a handsome guy. Yes, that's really his uh, key defining feature. Mm -hmm. And then, what's cool about that intro also is that it pulls the curtain back really nicely and 
it's all a flashback where a sort of feminine pilot is like, no, I don't want to uh, do your nasty plans. And then we see Christ. And we're like, oh my god, Christ is in this episode? Holy crap, we haven't seen him in weeks. And then he orders uh, all the peacekeepers that are around to uh, to kill her. Which is a pretty dark way to start an episode, if I do say so myself. Because we've talked before about how it's weird that they've shown Rigel being tortured and they've talked about it, but it never feels real because Rigel is like an, a cute little puppet and it's hard to like be physical with something like that. Mm-hmm. But to just riddle a pu- like a gigantic pilot puppet with bullets, because the pilot puppet is probably my like consistent favorite on the show, it is striking. And what's what's striking about it is not only like, yeah, we know that the peacekeepers are really brutal and that they uh, are willing to kill people at as soon as the command is given. But a bunch of them take their helmets off to sort of give the yes, sir, and the salute to Christ for giving the order. And we learn that one of them is a young Aaron. Son. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And then we get a really cool kind of cheesy but cool cut uh with some static where we where we realize that that whole scene is uh a video i guess being watched or a transmission being watched by uh john Crichton and aaron's son and others well, on, it's, uh, it starts with it's chiana showing it to john yes and then it eventually gets moved around to, to other else. people which good on farscape for doing the typical farscape thing of not beating around the bush for too long because other shows would have made the discovery of this tape a, a point of contention and an event within the plot of the show. And then it would have made the like show confronting Aaron with it and showing it to Aaron another plot point. Uh, but this episode was like, no, we don't really want to do the plot version of, of this episode. We want to do the character centric. Let's just do some vignettes version of it. And I think that definitely comes off a lot better. And that succeeds really well because, that, like you say, every time the plot goes to something like, oh, what if this person finds out? They find out in, like, the next scene. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a bit, there's a, like, Aaron finds out pretty much immediately in the in the scene after the, the credits. And then they're like, we can't let Pilot see this. And then, like, a couple minutes later, it's like, yeah, Rigel showed it to Pilot. Yeah. So it just, it gets moved around and that's, like, not the point of the episode, which I think is cool. What I also thought was really cool is that uh, we start getting flashbacks not only to just Aaron, but also to Pilot. So the episode is kind of about Pilot and Aaron, which is an interesting combination because, uh, obviously, DNA mad scientists brought them together DNA-wise in a way. Or, you know, they now, Aaron has Pilot DNA. Yeah. But also, we've said before how which we think that their relationship I'm, I'm is. I'm realizing cool. now uh, that that plot detail that she has Pilot DNA is a lot like if people have like us seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's a lot like uh, the episode where there was a Halloween episode where everybody became what they were dressed up as. And uh, right. Xander was dressed as a soldier. And then for seasons after that, <laughs> oh, he yeah. was like, yeah, I still got some military knowledge from when I was turned into a soldier. I still know where we can get a rocket launcher. Yeah, and that's that was like his power. Um, and so it's interesting to see this show doing that same thing because they bring it up a lot um but they do it at least here it's a link between characters and it uh partly justifies the connection between aaron and pilot uh, but i just thought it was interesting that that comes up again what i appreciate about it in this show also is that it's not a power necessarily so much as it is knowledge and also just familiarity mm-hmm. with another person because right. yeah in buffy it's like a little goofy because it's like oh xander knows has like military connections and he knows how to give orders and do stuff and that fits in with his thematic arc, but it's also like we didn't have any powers to give Xander and everyone else has something. So it's nice to give him something. Whereas in this, it's like, no, this is just an explanation for why A, uh, Aaron has like ship 
knowledge, which comes in handy here and there. But it's mostly like, this is why we're friends. And this is what right. gives us a bond, which I, I think is cool. And uh, one of the first things that we learned in... Uh, there were just a million little details that we learned in the flashbacks that I thought were incredible and really enhanced my understanding of what and who Pilot was. Um, like, first of all, when uh, he's introduced... And he's being ungagged and, and Aaron is there. We they're talking to him and he's speaking in his own language. Mm-hmm. And uh, a boyfriend guy uh, says something like, you can't talk the way you're, you can't speak in your language to us anymore because your language contains like hundreds of thousands of concepts and ideas in each like syllable. And so we it's just coming off as gibberish. Like you need to dumb it down for us, mm-hmm. which is so cool. You don't have to say any of that. But that's a really fascinating idea. That he is uh, just way smarter than them. And he can, like, say a billion things at once. And it just it goes over their heads. And it sounds like garbledy, gobbledygook. Mm-hmm. That's such a, an interesting detail. And also great uh, mention of the translator microbes. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yes. There's, yeah, that you literally you got the mention. Because he was like, yeah, even our translator microbes don't process stuff that fast. Yeah, but that, that definitely it, was a very cool character detail. It reminded me of... Um, if I remember this correctly, in the Mass Effect series, there's a race called the Solarians, and I believe it's implied that they speak so fast. That actually might just be a Farscape reference, because the Solarians are kind of, they look a little bit like Pilot, I guess, okay. or they're just weird aliens. Um, they speak so fast that whenever they're speaking to other races, it's like slowed down times a thousand. They all wear these like neck uh, things or something that slow their, slow their speech down. And that's why they still always talk really fast. It's, yeah, I love little details like that. Um, and then I started comparing it to Lost and talking about DNA Mad Scientist. And then, okay, so here's one of the main conflicts of the episode that I thought was interesting. A lot of the crew, once they find out that Aaron was compliant in killing that female pilot from the flashback, mm-hmm. we learn that that pilot was Moya's original pilot. Right. And that she was killed because she didn't want to do, uh, she didn't want to be compliant in Christ's secret experiment. Which we learn over the course of the episode was, um, of course, to get Moya to impregnate or to be pr- become pregnant and have a uh, Leviathan warship baby. Right. Who? And talent. Yes, talent. Yeah. To have talent. Which, first of all, makes him leaving with talent a lot more interesting. Yeah, it also uh, makes it a little harder to buy his motivations throughout season one. Um, but that's the weird thing about this episode. I read. Uh, the AV Club review of this episode, and in it, the reviewer talks about how this is the kind of episode that shouldn't work because it is such a neat retcon, like it tidies yes. up things a bit too much. And the reason that it works is because it backs off of plot and just makes it about the characters um, and doesn't make too many connections. But the thing for me that was the only annoying thing about the the retcon aspect of it is that Crace wanting to get talon back would have been a way better motivation for him throughout season one than wanting to kill john Crichton. would have been would have made way more sense and it could have made stuff like the episode the first inter- introduction of maldus episode work a lot better right if it wasn't like i'm here to kill john Crichton. it's like i'm here to get on tomoya because i need talon and i need my experiment to be complete right because it turns him into this mad this like uh hubris filled mad scientist character who wanted to like do a genetic experiment instead of just a crazy person with a like uh insanity yeah. complex. And I mean that's that's hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Um so it's good that now we have we can think of Crace in this way where Talon was sort of his baby and his project. And when we see him in Talon again, it'll make that that much richer. Um but it was just a little annoying that we could have had a more um, not a more sane craze, but a more sensible or more logical method to his madness kind of craze. 
Because um, that's one yeah. of the biggest problems with him before was that he just didn't seem like he had enough reason to be so angry and so right. vicious. But we, speaking of people being angry and vicious, uh, as soon as everybody on the Moya finds out that Aaron right. was part of the crew that shot uh, the female pilot, they, they sort of turn on her very quickly. Yeah. And I, I didn't know how I felt about that at first, and I kept trying to. So I texted Majan during this episode, and I was asking him if he thought that there was anything going on uh, metaphorically with, uh, the, the implication that they're, they're like doing all this breeding stuff with Pilot and Moya. But what I was really, what I was really more interested in is like, what is, what are, how are we supposed to equate this vitriol to real life? It's sort of like finding out that your friend has done some war crimes, I guess, or like someone that you thought you could trust is not. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was kind of, I understand that she took part in killing the pilot and that that is like not a cool thing to do that's murder but i was on the side of of chiana when she was like what did you expect we all knew that she was an evil peacekeeper for like a while why is this well she doesn't even say evil she says she was a peacekeeper you want her to not do peacekeeper things when she's doing her job like right that's all they told her to do obviously aaron has become a much better person or better sebation since then um so why are we getting hung up on it and it's such a realistic response. Like, I actually, I, I the thing is, I, I wasn't 100% able to empathize with everyone getting so mad at her, but I really appreciated how they showed everybody's response. Mm-hmm. Like, Dargo is immediately like, oh, this is a bad thing. We should be hesitant. And uh, Rigel is just immediately flips off the deep end. He's like, yeah, get rid of her. Fuck, this is unacceptable. She's she's the worst, mm-hmm. if I'm not, if I'm correct in remembering that. And then uh, even Zan is like, uh, this is a problem. And then after talking about it and thinking about it, she's like, you know what? That's understandable. Um, and Crichton obviously mm-hmm. is a little worried, but he gets it. And I think it, it, the thing about it is that a lot of their anger at Aaron was not because she killed a being, but because she, they can now directly link her to the peacekeepers that tortured them when they were on board Moya. And there's moments where they're like, oh, were you one of the peacekeepers that were that was torturing me? Um, and so all of the feelings in this episode, from on everybody's part, come from the idea that they don't want the past brought back up. Um, so that's really what where the other crew members are coming from in this case. So that's it's that's why it's hard for us to to relate to them because we don't necessarily understand the atrocities that they not atrocities that's a harsh word the the hardships that they undertook when they were prisoners on this ship because we haven't seen that displayed to us in the show. Um, but yeah, so that that that's where they're coming from. If that helps to understand their motivations, but I I agree that it was kind of like okay. Yeah, that was in the past. Aaron was a peacekeeper, and she's not a peacekeeper anymore. And the only character that I felt was justified in being as angry at her as as he was was Pilot. Yeah, absolutely. And we learn over time why, and it's not just the fact that she killed the pilot that was before him, although that's a reason enough to be angry. Right. But also that she made, because he doesn't fully understand the situation, but like she was involved with the whole the breeding experiment. Sort of. I mean, she... That's the other well, that's no. the other thing is that she didn't choose to do anything here. She was she yeah. was just following orders the whole time, which isn't inexcusable, but it's not like she was crace. Yeah, it wasn't her plan. Right. Um what was I going to say about pilot? Oh, I forgot. Uh I I think I was going to say something along the Oh yes. Um Aaron 
I think her response to this whole situation was also incredibly real and vulnerable, which is that she doesn't, she spends like a minute defending herself mm-hmm. and then very quickly she just gives up and she's like, I, I'm the worst. I, if he wants to get rid of me, cause she goes to pilot and she tries to talk to him. Yeah. And she's like, I'm really like, I, you know, I, I was doing my job. Like I didn't mean anything. He tries to choke her. He does, choke he, her you know, for he a chokes while. her. Yeah. He successfully. Yeah. And, uh, I think it cuts the commercials there, which is pretty scary yeah. to think about. Um, and it's like, wow, first of all, we haven't, we don't really get to see pilot be physical a lot. And there's actually an interesting bit of background info about that scene, I think, or actually it's a later scene involving pilot being physical, but they do some interesting things with the, the, the prop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then from then on, she's like, yeah, I'm like, he says, you're tainting this trip. You don't deserve to be on here. And she's like, yeah, I guess I don't. Like, I'm ready to leave. Yeah. <laughs> which is really in line with her character but also just super sad but then i also thought that there was a lot of cool stuff going on in the flashbacks uh throughout this whole thing so the whole episode like i said is intercut with flashbacks and moya stuff and uh the majority of the flashback concerns aaron's relationship with valoric valoric okay um and it's weird because it's another example of her forming a intimate bond with someone that she knows she shouldn't because peacekeepers don't do that and it's a it's a really weird relationship based on a lot of weird like uh i don't know i i i don't know how i felt about their relationship because there's that scene where they're in the bed and uh first of all there's a lot of cuts to the two of them in bed sure it's like yeah every single cut to flashback but i believe there's a scene where he's like talking to her and then she uh he like kind of grabs her in like a pretty rough way and you're like oh what is he is he gonna hurt her and then he, they like get into bed together you're like this is well uh, yeah that that part was weirdly presented because um it was when aaron was like telling john about the whole situation this was after she was in the um the training room and she bloodied her knuckles on the punching yeah that was crazy uh and he's like what was the deal with this this velaric guy and she's like uh we and she's trailing off and it's cutting back and he's like sneaking up on her and stuff and so when I was watching that scene, I was like, oh, no, is this going to be like he raped her? And then he like yeah, exactly. grabs her and then it cuts back to Aaron in the present describing it. And then it cuts back and they start like making out. And then she's like, we were lovers. And I was like, OK, that's what I thought it was going to be. And then <laughs> for a second there, you were because, you know, in Crackers Don't Matter, we toyed with the concept of of rape on this show. So I wasn't sure where they were going to go with it. Um, but yeah, they still, they still do have a weird relationship, uh, not sexually necessarily because as Aaron says in that scene, peacekeepers don't really care about sex. It's not a big sticking point. Um, they can just kind of fuck and it's fine because they have to relieve biological impulses. But what they are weird about is, is forming emotional attachments. And in those conversations that she has with Velorek. Aaron's son seems almost, uh, not maybe childish isn't the right word, but extremely emotionally immature. Yes, exactly. Uh, like doughy eyed and just like, she like loses a little bit of agency. She's just kind of like, you know, a little dopey in love. Well, I don't even know if it's that though. Cause she, she isn't head over heels. That's not the way that it's portrayed. And I wouldn't call her doe eyed. Okay. I would say that she's just in a situation that she doesn't recognize. And he has the capacity to understand that they're forming an emotional connection, and she's just kind of doesn't get it. It is a confusing situation to be in for her. Yeah, well, because she just doesn't have the language to describe it, and she doesn't have any desire to be in an emotionally important relationship. Oops, uh, we lost audio here for a second. It wouldn't be Escape Chats episode without at least some sort of mishap, but hey, here we are right back. 
And we're back. Yes, yeah, so we were talking about Aaron's relationship with uh, Velarek and all that good stuff. I also wanted to talk about Pilot's backstory because I feel like it's really important to understanding his role in this episode and his actions in the present. Mm-hmm. And so we learn in this episode that if I'm getting the order of events correctly, the female uh, pilot is killed because she doesn't want to be part of this uh, Moya pregnancy thing. And so this pilot is put in and he, I'm going to, it kind of jumps around in time a lot and it ends with the, er, a scene before anything else, which is uh, a pilot on his original planet. And I know I'm, I'm kind of jumping to the end of the episode, but this is like my favorite scene of the episode by far. And I really want to get to it mm-hmm. before I can, before we, we move forward. Sure. So uh, Vel- Velarek is uh, on pilot's planet, which is really cool looking. It's like a bunch of uh, glowy grass and uh, it's just a beautiful looking set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he meets a young pilot who really just looks the same, but uh, has like a slightly different shell. And he says, um, I need a pilot to, to join a ship for me. And pilot's like, oh, you know, the elders here said that I can't, uh, I can't, I'm not allowed to, I'm not ready yet. And I might never be ready, mm-hmm. which is so sad. And he's like, I, I don't know. Like they said, I can't go. And this guy's like, I got you. You you can come with me. You don't have to tell them we're going to go and I'm going to get you on a ship and you're going to get to be bonded with it and you're going to do great things on that ship. And then he says, you know, look up and you see that that's space. Those are the stars. And Pilot kind of looks up wistfully. And so we learned that Pilot didn't know at the time that he was replacing a dead pilot. Well, he she, or he, she wasn't he didn't dead. Know... She wasn't dead yet. And he knew that his I don't think he confronted it at the time directly, which is where his grief in this episode is coming from. He's finally dealing with this issue. But he, at least in the back of his mind, knew that by agreeing to be on the ship, he was signing the female pilot's death warrant. Right. Because they wouldn't just kill her without a replacement because they need somebody to fly the ship. Yes. And so it's this it's this weird moment of like he clearly has a lot of ambition and wants to do what his race is meant to do, which is bond with a ship and, and go to space. Mm-hmm. And see the stars, as he says at the end of the episodes. I want at the end of the episode. I really, just really, really wanted to see the stars. Which uh, I cried a little bit at that scene. Sure, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. Um, but he is brought on to this peacekeeper base and and is bonded with Moya. And we learn that the way that the whole pilot ship bonding process um, is supposed to work is uh, it's called like natural bonding, which basically means that you put him in the seat, and uh, after I think he said one to like two or three cycles max. Uh, over time, they develop a bond, and it's natural, and he'll eventually gain full control over time. And he's like, so we're going to do that, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. We don't have any time to do that. And he's like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're going to do this thing that's just artificial bonding. We're just going to jack you right in there, um, and it's going to hurt like hell. But, like, look, you're going to go to space. Yeah. Ugh. And that was another moment that got me, was you're just seeing Valoric trying to, like, justify all these horrible actions. And Pilot is never... Like, he's so naive. He's never, like, this is a, t- this is such an, a horrible, dis- like, he never gives up. He never d- says, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. He's hesitant the whole time, but he never, like, says no. And he goes through a ton of pain. And they actually, I think they say, like, the pain is permanent. You're always going to feel a little bit as long as you're in this weird, uh, sort of rushed bonding status. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we need you right now. And, uh, so that's, and that ends up being Pilot's art. And so at the end of the episode, he realizes that, um, he is technically the reason that the other, or he is the reason that the other pilot died, and it wasn't Aaron's fault. And so that's that's sort of his little moment. But um, the other thing about the flashbacks, which I should have mentioned earlier, I kind of am doing this in a weird order, I know, was that uh, Valoric uh, actually wants to defy Crace, which is right. uh, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And so he's talking in bed with Aaron about how, you know, come with me and we'll go somewhere far, which is like every 
romantic subplot um and she's like what but what are you gonna do and he's like yeah we're gonna i want to fly gonna... prowlers that's what she wants to do <laughs> yes that's 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 a fair goal in life uh so his his plan is uh and this is the part that confused me a lot but then i think i finally got a grasp of it okay uh Grace wants to impregnate get moy pregnant by putting a pilot in there uh and um this guy velorax plan is to give her a contraceptive shield, which right. I guess is just the equivalent of like a condom, just like a perp, like a 100% guaranteed super shield condom. And uh, we're going to put that in and then she's never going to get pregnant. Or like, and so like that's supposed dia- to work. Like a diaphragm. Or yes, that's actually, that's a much better. Yeah. Uh, I just like the idea of a contraceptive shield being like a physical thing that you put on. That's like, mm-hmm. a, yeah, I guess that works too with a diaphragm. I don't know about sex. What do I know? <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and so that works, but then what happens is, uh, he gets ratted out. Right. He gets ratted out by, by, of all people, Aaron's son. And it's this amazing scene where they're in bed together and she's like, yeah, you're, maybe you should back out on this plan. And he's like, why? And then right then and there, a bunch of peacekeepers kick down the door and, uh, Grace is with them and they take him away and they take, uh, Velarak away. And it's presumed that they took him to be executed. Yes. So Aaron basically just sold out her lover for the cause. Which is already crazy, but kind of makes sense in character. Well, not even the cause. It's just she didn't like standing around not doing anything. She wanted to fly stuff and kill people. Yeah. She doesn't even care about, like, a higher purpose. She just wants to be her, a, a cog in the machine in the spot that she likes best. Yes. Which is tragic. Which, exactly. And uh, what's also tragic and what really fascinated me about that char- about Velarac he doesn't even get mad at her. Right. That's the other thing about their relationship that's like kind of weird to me is that he he's like, oh, yeah, you you should uh, run away with me, whatever. Like you maybe don't get this, but we're in love. And then at the end, he's like, yeah, well, you know, you you're just a peacekeeper. You weren't really smart enough to not do this. So, oh, well, I don't know. It is a weird uh, thing. And then uh, she, he but. Ugh. I, I wanted to say there was a parallel between her and Pilot there, but I can't really pick that out. Mm-hmm. What I was going to get at is, yeah, he, when she uh, rats him out, he's like, yeah, good job. That was clever. Which really is such a cool look into, like, what their race of people values mm-hmm. in people. It's, like, craftiness and cleverness over, um, like, kindness and honesty. Sure. It's just the complete flipping of, of uh, personality, which is pretty cool. Um so that happens. And then the final episode of the, or final scene of the episode is, uh, well, one of the last ones is Pilot. Oh, actually, yeah. We find out that, uh, the reason that that shield didn't work is because Dargo broke it. That was what happened in yeah, which, another episode. <laughs> that's such a bummer that he, Velarek, worked so hard to do this secret little solution and then Dargo, like, accidentally stumbled upon it and busted it whoops my bad was that the thing where he fell out of the airlock and yeah, then went in space I think so that's weird yeah <laughs> he cracked open the diaphragm by falling out the window that's right. uh, that's something uh and so we find out that and then the way that they make it up to pilot is uh we're because because pilot takes himself out i also forgot to mention that i'm terrible uh <laughs> pilot takes himself out of moya he says i'm not going to punish her anymore by forcing her to be bonded with me i'm getting out and he just pulls the plug and that's an amazing scene and she bleeds like pink blood uh and he's like i'm out of here and he just goes to another room like he's since he's a puppet he's an installation he can't just like walk around (laughs) he's just installed in another room and uh they're like you know what you like we've you know we've had our whole arc we feel bad you're gonna get back into moya and we're gonna do it the right way this time Uh and it's this perfect like i gotta say this episode is really well shot and the scene where they're all talking about like yeah we're gonna let you be naturally birthed he's like yeah it's gonna take a while and they say like it's worth it and 
uh, you're not going to have full control for a while, but we're willing to deal with that. Oh, it just got to me, man. Yeah, I was yeah. like, <laughs> so powerful. And so he is naturally installed in the ship. And Aaron's son and him are on better terms now, understand each other. And uh, did I miss any major scenes? Because I want to talk about the last line of the episode. Um, I mean, you can. I have like notes spread out the episode, so just talk about the end. All right. Okay. So yeah, Crane tells Aaron that Velarik was right, uh, and in a new place that, that she'll thrive. And then she says that uh, Velarik told her that she could be more, and that's exactly the same thing Crane said the first day that he was uh, on Moya, which is in a cool, like, whoa, weird reference to the pilot. Yeah. Um. And then he asks if she thinks she loves this man. And after a long look, they smile. I'm like, good on this show for ending an episode on silence. Yeah. Which, again, is awkwardly cut up by the, the like, the, yeah. the, like, end mute, the end credits music. But that's such a cool scene because it goes on for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, it cuts back and forth between the two of them a couple times. They look, and then they look back, and well, smile, and I think, and I think the looking. phrasing is important on it. Uh, let me see if the Farscape Encyclopedia Project has that line. Yeah, it does, actually. Memorable quotes. You want me to read it? Yeah. Aaron says, you know, that time when he asked me to go with him, he said, you can be so much more. That's exactly what you said to me on the first day I was here. And Crichton says, and you say you think you love this man? Pilate says, if I hadn't agreed to no, come, Valorak may never... that's a separate quote. All They're right. just forming Oh, 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 oh. You but see, yeah. the way that John's phrasing it is like, so like, we could be in love, right? Eventually, you, me, Aaron. And that is sort of just the the, the way they cram subtext into the john aaron relationship uh without making it frustrating is is really admirable and it's handled with such a deft touch like they don't have to they never have to say these things they never are going to proclaim passion love for each other at least not for a while sure it's just a really subtle moment but yes I, so that is the overall episode i also have a couple notes but you can start off um so i just want to say shout out to lonnie tupu uh across <laughs> for playing both sides across of this the board playing both sides of this episode playing like four different versions of pilot really if, if like if you really break it down this is this is, is playing lady pilot no not like different versions but like different emotional uh states of pilot yeah it is weird um but yeah it, it just shows his fantastic range that it just shows lonnie tubu's fantastic range as an actor that first of all, he's milking so much out of this voice performance, and he's giving us uh, naive, which is something that we haven't seen Pilot as before. Yeah, and it's it's jarring to see him as naive and scared at first, but it's pulled off expertly. And then we see Pilot enraged, um, which is also which is not something we see very often. And even though the puppet is like really dumb, and it looks like Claudia Black is holding the tentacle to her neck, it's still <laughs> very scary. That scene where he's choking her and you you can forget that it's a puppet because of just the way that the puppetry is channeling his emotions, but also the way that Lonnie Tupu is really, really selling it. Um, and then he does grief stricken, you know, he's in pain. He finally at the end is fully humbled and it's a version of pilot that has the sort of austere dignity to him. But now there's an idea that he has to live up to something or he has to repay some kind of debt because one of his final lines is the episode in the episode is Dargo's like hooking him back up to, to Moya and Pilot says, I will work hard to deserve it. Yes. I wrote that line down. Which is that's just that's incredible. Um so on the one hand, Lonnie Tupu is killing it in every way that Pilot is finding new emotional space in which to exist. And on the other hand He's playing Crace like 
crazy and, and awesome. And he's even more demented than he was at the beginning of season one. Totally. Like, you couldn't... Because Crace's arc has been that he's kind of... He's trying to follow the straight and narrow at this point and become a bit more responsible and sensible. So he's moving that way across the emotional line. And you wouldn't expect that you could find a dot on the far other end before where he started this arc, but it turns out you can. It turns out he used to be even a worse dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> Much worse, So it was yeah. great to see that. And then one of my favorite just like quick interactions in this episode was the scene where Aaron sells out Velarek and then uh Krace turns to Aaron and he's like so you must be the the peacekeeper who ratted him out and she's like yeah that was me and he's like yeah you wanted some like change of assignment or something and she says yeah I wanted to be on prowler duty and he's like okay whatever and then he leaves like he just did not care what's cool is that scene there's actually a cool bit of background info about that scene I don't know if you read it uh but that scene like wasn't supposed to work out with the two of them talking, and they basically this is just to quickly jump ahead. The two like Lonnie Tupu and Claudia back were like, yeah, this should actually be the scene where we meet. Let's just put it right here because they were gonna put it somewhere else in the episode, and they were like, it actually works if like literally in the middle of me ratting uh, my my lover out, this guy's like, oh hey, who are you? Nice to meet you. And like later on, we're gonna become sworn enemies. <laughs> right. It's a really cool brief moment, but yeah. I think that was a decision just on, I don't think it was, they were moving anything. I think it's just Lonnie Tubu was like, uh, I think this is the scene where I meet, where I met her, sure. which yeah, that, I think that's a great choice on his part. Um, and it was just good to see Crace again because he has a great, just a great voice. And he's I very to, I, yeah. Dude. I savored all of his lines because uh-huh. I just want, I don't want him to be gone again. Um, I, another thing that I appreciated in the scene where they're, Towards the very beginning where they're confronting her about the tape. First of all, also a very well shot scene. We get a close up of everybody one by one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And they're all kind of upset, but in slightly different tweaked ways. And then they're coming at her for, for killing a pilot. And Aaron brings up, oh, but it's okay to chop one of his arms off, right? <laughs> Which happened in, in DNA Mad Scientist. Yeah. Um, so that was nice that they that they maintained that bit of continuity. One of the yeah, one of the coolest things about this episode is that it respects what came before it. Like it references the pilot of the show and it references DNA Mad Scientist intimately and not just by name. Right. Like But it also it, like it, at the same time it changes what has happened before because yes it's a retcon without like ignoring everything that came before right it. it's a retcon that uses the past to enforce itself exactly uh, which is really really cool what did you how did you feel about John Crichton throughout this episode I think he played the character who cares about uh, Aaron's son enough like I I appreciated that aspect of him that he never he never seemed like he was actually going to turn on her. Mm-hmm. Like he he's clearly experienced enough shit in his life that when he finds out that this person that he clearly cares intimately about did some bad stuff in the past, he is also on the side of like this happens. This happens all the time. People are bad in their past and people do bad things and we need to like it's a, it was a very mature John Crichton which I appreciated. Yeah. He felt he, was, he felt very like fiance. Exactly. That's a really cool way to look at it. Like he he there's no question of whether or not he's going to be on her side. He's just immediately like, yeah, it's it's not a question. Yeah. I thought at times it was a little much um with him like, "No, come on, tell me." And she's like, "I don't want to tell you." "No, come on, you can just talk to me about it." <laughs> um but that was sort of a necessary uh way for him to be in order for the plot to to progress and totally. Aaron needed a confidant. Um, he he also had a great line related to this all this stuff. 
where he's freaking out about the fact that Pilot uh, unplugged. Um, it's like the it's like the weird. It's the most the funniest scene in an episode that's mostly pretty serious. Uh, Pilot is unplugged. The ship is going nuts, and everyone's like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Pilot's extra sketches and working with all its knobs right now." <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, translator microbes. That, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? A, but um, that's a funny ass line. I really liked it. Um, to another couple things that I enjoyed uh aaron made the comment that she and pilot are closer than any two beings on the ship which is i think that's true yeah although i think rigel and chiana are giving them a run for their money uh and we'll talk about that when we get to the second episode right yeah everybody has their their partner that like makes sense separate from everyone else right um which is cool rigel showed pilot the tape out of ethical duty fucking uh cool thanks rigel yeah exactly that they I I almost felt like they didn't need, they shouldn't have needed to explain how uh pilot got the tape. Well, they did the bare minimum. Sure. Which is just hey Rigel. It was fucking Rigel who did it. <laughs> like okay, yeah. Cuz he's cuz he's a poop. Makes sense. He's the worst. Uh rock paper scissors made a reappearance. Yep, I wrote that here. That's right. Nice. Best way to solve all problems. Yeah, pretty much. Um yeah, the talent stuff I had a note about. There was one other thing. Oh, the we forgot the the beautiful moment of reconciliation between pilot and aaron where uh pilot's all sad and he admits that he had a hand in uh in the previous pilot dying yep. right after that flashback aaron is like you know when i saw velarek bring you onto the ship i saw him stroke your cheek and uh yep. the, the line that she says is back then i couldn't fathom doing a thing like that and now i can't fathom not doing it ah. and then she strokes his cheek and then uh he strokes her cheek and it's such a beautiful moment and that line <laughs> Is the encapsulation of Aaron's development since that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, She's done a complete 180 in her motivations. Yeah, pretty much. So also kudos to Claudia Black for really playing two different characters in this episode. She did a lot of great physical stuff in this episode. Between feeling sad and to blame for all of the pilot stuff and also like the punching bag scene where, yeah, like you said, she makes her own knuckles bleed, Mm -hmm. uh, which is obviously an effect, but it still looks incredible um and yeah she's she's fantastic we've talked about her a million times she's the best yeah, she's great that that tentacle scene though has a good another good bit of background mm-hmm. info that's why i mentioned it um earlier. last thing one thing that bugged me about velarek uh-huh. um i guess why did he even go to get a replacement pilot if he didn't want Crace's plan to work you know what i mean yeah i guess it i think they needed up yeah mm-hmm. i guess it just makes sense that that wouldn't have been a good that would have been a too obvious way to oppose craze yeah to be like no i'm exactly. not getting your new pilot but it was still i don't know it was a little odd at times to pin down his motivation and figure out how much of a bad guy he was because he was like a cool guy but he was a peacekeeper so where does he fall on that on that spectrum on that morality spectrum I think part of the implication of that is that uh, he didn't know the female pilot that well. And since he's the one that's recruiting the male pilot, he could potentially be like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to do this contraceptive thing. But like, don't tell the higher ups. Like maybe now oh, he has that in yeah, I guess, with the new pilot. Yes, that's true. It makes a little more sense. I, I actually kind of liked Velarek in this episode. Uh, I thought he did a lot of he had a lot of cool motivations. Mm-hmm. And the AV Club review makes a good point that most of his scenes are with a puppet. And he does a pretty good job for somebody who's like completely fresh to this episode. And it's like, okay, now we're going to throw you in a room with this puppet. uh, And then we're going to throw you into another room with the same puppet. And you're just going to do that. You're going to act. Good luck. 
Al- Alex Dimitriades right. is the actor's name. Fantastic. Uh, do you want to hear some of the background information on this episode? Yeah, I've, I've referenced most of the good stuff, but I, there's plenty of good stuff in there, so go ahead. In case it. anybody was wondering about cinema, the flashback scenes were processed <laughs> using a technique known as bleach bypass. And the way bleach bypass works, I read about this, you skip um, the bleaching process when you're processing color film. Yeah. And so what it does is it basically makes it look like there's a black and white image on top of a color image so it desaturates it a little bit um it's a cool thing you can only do with film or i mean you can make it as an effect in digital but it it just doesn't look genuine and i gotta say i didn't love that effect really i i just a lot of the times it felt like just some vignetting yeah and some weird coloring but learning that it's an interesting technique makes it seem like oh i'm just i have a terrible cinematic eye it was good and i'm bad at noticing good things i mean i i think it it is a cool way to come to an effect that just looks like sepia in a certain way. Yeah, it's essentially a weird. Like it's sepia. in the same genre as sepia, but I I dug it because it had this sort of weird green tint to it. Um, I don't know. It felt it felt good. I will say the thing that bothered me about it a little bit was that um, it makes things look underexposed, and this show generally can get pretty dark when you're inside Moya, and especially when you're in Pilot's room, it gets a little dark. Um, and so that made it hard to, to at times see what was going on in the flashbacks. Other things in the background information for the scenes with the younger version of pilot, the creature shop adapted the usual puppet, but they gave him a smaller carapace. I secretly dropped that earlier. Yeah. I didn't, I guess I didn't really notice that it looked different. It's just like they, they lowered the shoulders a little bit. It's like intentionally barely a difference. Right. Uh, Here's something else that you mentioned. Lonnie Tupu decided that the arrest was when Chris first met Aaron. Um, Lonnie Tupu considers the flashback scene with Velarek and Pilot on Pilot's planet to be one of his favorites in the whole series. Me too. Yeah, so far it's pretty good. The choking scene they did with a detached arm. <laughs> That's the part I was talking about. Yeah, because the puppet's arms weren't long enough <laughs> to reach. Okay. Um, Tony Tilsa and Claudia Black chose to move the scene of Crichton confronting Aaron to an area where she could be constantly punching, <laughs> which is a weird way to phrase that. Um, There's a lot of weird phrasing in the Farscape Encyclopedia Project. Like whenever they talk about a flashback where her and Velarek are having sex, it's like, and Aaron and Velarek were getting it on. <laughs> oh, they say that in the in the wiki. In the wiki, I yes. guess because people <laughs> don't really edit it necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Um, this episode marks composer Guy Gross's first contribution to this series. Did you notice anything different about the music? It didn't really stand out to me. Uh, not really. Some of the later stuff, I was like, these are definitely new tracks, but I don't, they sound like the same style. Yeah. Uh, I have been fascinated by this show's music for a while, and I was wondering, like, when I looked it up, it was, it said online in general that Guy Gross did most of the music for the show, but I guess he just did it from here on out. Mm-hmm. So now I'm more wondering who was doing it before. Because mm. Guy Gross, first of all, great name. I believe I've talked about his name on the show. Um, but also, yeah, I, he does fine work. I hope he continues to do good work. Um, there's a quote here from Rockness O'Bannon that isn't really that substantive. It's just like, oh, man, this show's great because you can show things about characters you know and it surprises you. Uh, and then there's an interesting quote from Claudia Black talking about Tony Tilsa and how good of a director he is for Farscape. Talking about how um, he basically invented the idea of there being that little room underneath Pilot. Cause we, oh, really? Because we hadn't seen that. I, it might have been in the script. Um, so maybe he didn't come up with the concept, but he figured out how to visualize it. Because I think those are actually two different rooms. There isn't a space 
Oh, it's like a composite shot or something? Yeah, there isn't, oh, that's really there isn't necessarily a space that looks like that under pilot. But now that exists, huh. and now we know that that's part of the ship and the way it's made up. Thanks, Tony. You do good work. Um, the use of a digital camera for recording the murder of the first pilot was also a first for the series. Although citation is needed there, so who knows? Yeah, that one, I did notice that that scene looked a little bit different, but not significantly. Yeah. I hope this show doesn't, doesn't switch to digital at any point. I don't think it does. I think it remains a film show digital always makes frame rate and stuff with puppets look weird is probably the reason why yeah and digital hadn't been adopted as a format super duper fully in television especially in 2000 so there you go so that's Uh, the background info yes i uh am gonna say that this is definitely gonna be on my much watch my much watch must oh my god (laughs) my mustard list for season two Yeah, my must watch for season two for people that are watching. You should. This is a for great sure. one. I think it may be the first a hundred percent must watch of the season. Absolutely agreed. And uh, as we'll talk about uh, right after this quick break, it is a diamond in the rough. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And to hear more about to hear more about that, stay tuned. Hello, Scape Chats listeners. Alan here with the Moya Bag for episode fifteen, where we read and respond to your feedback. We got the most feedback that we've ever gotten for a single episode on episode 14, both between the Reddit comments and Twitter and all these great discussions. And it's just amazing. Like so many people had opinions and wanted to share with us their thoughts on the episodes. So thank you so, so much for that, y'all. Like this is like this keeps us going. It's so exciting to be able to start a dialogue with people in particular. We got a ton of comments on the Reddit thread, which can, as always, be found at reddit.com slash r slash farscape Maridi had a comment in here about how they were happy that Magellan got to say gaping vagina with their new microphone and that they said thank you for me saying throbbing penis finally um speaking of new microphones I'm now using a swivel arm for my microphone which probably doesn't make the audio sound any different but it's pretty good for my posture and it means that I can keep the mic real close all the time without having to lean forward and fuck up my back so that in mind, the primary thing that people were discussing in the comments on this episode was the John and Shiana scene from Crackers Don't Matter and how it seems like the creators of the show were trying to establish that maybe John is just shitty or maybe, you know, the show is trying to say something about their relationship that is not necessarily black and white or not super wholesome. Um, I'm just going to f- see if I can find a good comment in here for- about that. Oh, here's one from Blue Blaze Spear, a recurring commenter. As someone who is put off by Rapey Crichton, I think you make a valid point here. Wholesale violence against a male character raises nary an eyebrow, but the implied possible future violence of a female character sets off all sorts of primordial internal alarms. There probably are some sociological and or lizard brain mechanisms in place there, but the show almost seems to play on them. A lot of the violence in Crackers Don't Matter is pretty brutal, but it has a cartoonish quality to it. From a pure violence standpoint, I'd say the most gratuitous scene was Dargo jamming crackers down Rigel's throat, but there's a laugh to be had there, dark as it may be. Also, there's plenty of male-female violence that works well in the episode, perhaps in part because it doesn't include a sexual component. But the scene with Chiana was shot later specifically because the director thought the episode hadn't gone dark enough. It lacks that twinkle in the eye that the rest of the episode seems to have. It seems like Crichton was saying, I was joking around when I shot Dargo, but I'm serious about this Chiana rape. And the fact that it's Chiana seems to make it worse. John and Chiana already had a weird chemistry that not only made it rapey, but also kind of incestuous. And you make a fair point nonetheless, my reaction was probably based on moral repugnance than with a disagreement with a directing choice. And in the bigger scheme of things, this became one of my favorite episodes, so there's that. 
and it, the, there's a ton of comments, mostly from TRK2 and like my T Sweet, who mostly just said that they liked the episode. And Blue Blaze Spears had another comment about um, taking the stone, but I just want to real quickly talk about that John Chiana thing one more time. Uh, it's it's a weird scene. We can't deny that it's a weird scene, and it's weird in the context of their relationship. I think it's bad that the creators were trying to go dark with that scene specifically and added it in later. It feels like that. It feels out of place and bad. I don't think there is no place for discussion of sexual violence in a television show like this that deals with such heavy themes, but it could have been done better. I think we can all agree on that, even though there was plenty of back and forth on the on the subreddit about, like, oh, it says a lot about John, and it says a lot about, like, what's in his head with Scorpius, that whole situation, and it's seeding a lot of things. It's still, in itself an awkwardly handled scene. So that is my thoughts on that. But feel free to continue to disagree with me and just keep sending us comments. Blue Blaze Spear has another long post about taking the stone, which is mostly... Uh, the part that I wanted to read was, the Rigel stuff in this episode seemed to have no point and whatever was going on down on the planet probably had a point that was obscure to me. When they jumped in the hole, it was never clear that it was a goal to survive and feel some sort of rush or to die to end a life that's going to be short either way, referring to the taking the stone ritual and chiana jumping and surviving didn't clear that up for me your guys take on it was the most co coherent interpretation of it that i've heard if that means anything um referring to the fact that we said uh chiana wants to feel alive that's why she took the stone yet again at the end of that episode there's a lot more in here about trial and not being okay with rapey Crichton. and we got some comments we got a comment from the locket about aaron being the only passenger on moya that truly couldn't go home and having this whole thing about aaron as a unique character in the context of the whole show, which is great. Um, I love Aaron. I think she's amazing. <laughs> when Here's another part of that comment. When Aaron just plucks crackers from her cleavage and starts munching on them, that cracked me up. You can tell the actress had a blast letting their characters go nuts for this episode. Rex Dust said, can't wait to hear the guys talk about crackers don't matter. And Red Kurth said, the more I watch crackers don't matter, and I think I've seen it five times now, the more I feel like the John Chiana scene was needed. Until that point, John hadn't done anything reprehensible, caused by the light and the fact that he almost did but was able to pull back despite of it and more likely because of his madness was vital to his character was i uncomfortable as hell the first time i saw it oh god yes and it still bothers me but i don't wish it away anymore i see it as john reclaiming his sanity now and perhaps on repeat viewings of the episode or more likely the old the whole show others will too so two sides of the same coin is what i'm saying i can't read all these reddit comments because it's just a lot um feel free if you're listening and you don't uh, if you're not participating in these, to go to the subreddit and check those out. We do an episode thread every week where you can leave feedback, and it's great, and we have the best fans ever. Um, Old As Your Omens sent us another memo for an update of the week. I'll go through this real quick. Uh, in regards to TTS slash C... Oh, Crackers Don't Matter, yes. I felt like I was going crazy watching both of these episodes, and then uh, with a Hamilton reference, Just you wait... Uh, Frell is the best. It's the only euphemism that is anyway satisfying. Virginia Hay and Jonathan Hardy were both in the Mad Max movies, so references are abound. I call that scene with John and Aaron chatting about Chiana the mom and dad scene. The passing Vegemite comment that I believe I made made her think of Claudia eating Vegemite on crackers while doing the crackers don't matter commentary with Ben, which is great, and I need to listen to that commentary at some point. Uh, and then Dog and Bone is a Cockney rhyming slam slang for phone. So that's why someone, I think, mentioned Dog and Bone in this episode in uh, Crackers Don't Matter or the one before it. You don't like Crackers Don't Matter? It's hyped up, but you learn to appreciate it a lot. It definitely gets better with a rewatch and a commentary. 
we got dried food rectangles. We can talk about Cla Claudia's emoting in the shootout scene because Frel, yes. And uh, their favorite line, I have great eyes. They're better than 2020 and they're blue. Which, um, I'm trying to remember if that's a line from the episode or if that's this commenter saying something to me. But, um, anyways, <laughs> thank you, Old As Your Romans, as always, on Twitter, um, for commenting. We love these comments. A uh, little couple notes about these episodes that I just finished listening to, and I think they're solid. Um, although I do always criticize myself for interrupting Magellan too much, so that's a thing. Sorry, Magellan knows that I don't mean to, I just get excited about things. Uh, I still pronounced Zahn as Zan for a while, and I still pronounce Kreis as Kreis, and... When I read it now, I never think of those names that way. It's just like, wow, I really I really said that consistently. Um, speaking of pronunciation, we, we continue to pronounce Tony Tills incorrectly as Tony Tilsa. So, you know, you don't need to correct us on that. Um, I'm not going to mention that every week because he's going to keep writing episodes and we're going to keep messing it up like we mentioned last time. Yet again, I thought that we had never mentioned the Daniel Riendo skip list. I'm just going to put it in the episode description at this point and then try to never. I don't think we've ever mentioned it again. She's great. She doesn't actually work at Polygon anymore. She works at Zam.com. So if you're interested in... You read that skip list and you're also just interested in who she is as a writer. That That is, you know, where she works now. And the last thing I wanted to mention was there's a moment at the end, right before we finish talking about the second episode, uh, which you're about to listen to, where I, like, yell into the mic really, really loudly. Like, I laugh almost, like, performatively loudly. I don't know why. I thought it was I was thought the moment was hilarious, but it's just, like, louder than I've ever laughed. And so hopefully the audio balances out, but, you know, just, like, an ear-shattering warning <laughs> for that. And I think that is all the feedback that we got this week. No emails. But I mentioned where you can send all the stuff. And I think that is it. Enjoy. Uh, so, like, we talked about the way we weren't. And that was great. And now, enjoy us shitting all over. Picture, if you will. Bye-bye. And we're back. And we're here talking about the second episode of Farscape that we watched this week. And that is our review for the second episode of Farscape. You can find us. <laughs> we should probably actually say things about do we, it. Do it's, we have to talk about it? Uh, we can it's just... <sighs> we do. I'm sorry. We do. Uh, it's season two, episode six. Picture, if you will, a bad episode of Farscape. <laughs> the full name of it. Uh, it, was it was written by Peter Neal. And it was directed by uh, the hit or miss man of the hour, Andrew Prowse. Uh, this guy just can't consistently hit land a mark. Um, and this episode aired April 21st, 2000 in the U.S. Andrew, Majon, Andrew Prowse uh, is actually usually pretty good. That's what I'm saying. Like, he just, he, he, but then he also does, like, Rhapsody in Blue and Bone to be Wild. And you're like, well, those episodes are weird, but they're good. Yeah. And he did DNA Mad Scientist, so. It, yeah, he's, whatever. Uh, so I can tell that you, you thought this was an amazing episode. Uh, did you know that? Peter Neal only wrote this episode. Peter? Also on his page on the Encyclopedia Project, it says he wrote The Way We Weren't, which he did not. He wrote Picture If You Will. It's not... That's not true. Let's not give him credit. Yeah, Naren Shankar, I might be pronouncing that wrong, apologies, uh, is great. It's so weird that we got an amazingly directed, amazingly written episode, followed by a poorly directed, poorly written episode. Mm -hmm. Just two sides of a coin. And I think it's fun to discuss bad episodes sometimes, so let's get into it. Yeah. What did you not like about this? Well, do we want to say who's back, or do we want to save that for when we're talking about the plot? Because <laughs> I can sum up why I didn't like this episode in one proper noun. Is it six letters? It is six letters long. Just let them know. They've watched it, hopefully. Uh, Maldis is back. You're gonna, it's a bad diss. Maldis. He's, he ruins everything. 
He comes in and he says, hey, what if this episode was like useless? And then the rest of the cast is like, I don't know, sure. I had, okay, I didn't like this episode either. I thought it looked incredibly uh, muddled. Mm-hmm. It tried to do a cool visual thing and didn't work. I think it's it's playing on a trope uh, of like horror movies that only works if you do it for comedy and it doesn't do it for comedy at all. Right. That's, yeah. And uh, it progresses nothing and it's a complete skip. Yeah, pretty much. So essentially the way this episode starts, um, I'll let, I just want to talk about this, the first scene and then I'm going to let you take sure. over because you're the cool guy. Uh, is we're, we're shopping. We're on a shopping spree hey. on, on a merchant planet. Which looks like like six. It actually, I really like the look of that merchant planet. It's like six, uh, or it's a it's ship. A ship. It's a merchant yeah. ship. It's like six globes connected together. Yeah, it by, did like, look power pretty lines. cool. And uh, Chiana and Rigel are on there, and, and Rigel's like, "Ooh, a Hynerian uh, crown. This is cool." Even though it just looks like it's made of plastic. <laughs> and uh, Chiana's finding all this weird jewelry, and everything's too expensive. Claudia, uh, not Claudia Black. Sorry, Aaron's son wants to leave. Claudia Black probably probably wants to leave as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they find a mirror. And Chiana notices that the mirror has oh, a picture a, of her on it. It's a painting. It's a painting that I thought looked like it's a mirror. It's like a space painting. It's a painting. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait, how did you paint this of me? Because it's like, I'm on it. And the lady's like, I'm pretty good. Like, the lady has no good defense of why this is happening. Yeah, yeah. They're like, wait, wait. I'm on this. This necklace that you haven't seen and I haven't had in like five years, five cycles, is on this. And she's like, uh, I'm. it's showing you your desires. <laughs> and they're like, what? And she's like, take it, it's free. And they're like, um, okay. So this episode starts with like a train wreck of a scene. Right. <laughs> it's just really forced, like, hey, you need you need this prop mm-hmm. for the episode. Just take it. It's free. And and then it just goes it goes down from and there. It's so like there's no question this thing is going to be a bad thing. Of course. That's gonna cause problems. And it's like, okay. And also, uh I'm guessing that character was played by the guy who plays Maldus, right? Oh, I guess you're right, probably. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Chris Haywood. And they did that device in uh, in the other episode that he was in, that old Black Magic, where he played, like, multiple characters. And if you know that it's Maldus going into this episode, then you can see right through that lady. Because, first of all, it looks like a dude the whole time. Did you think that it was a woman? Uh, is it embarrassing to say that I couldn't tell? No, that's not embarrassing. Um, I think I knew that it was going to be Maldus going into it, but it's just like, that's, I'm not falling for it. And he was using a weird, like Jamaican accent. Yeah. The accent was what threw me off in that the first thing. It was so weird. It's because he couldn't pinpoint it. He couldn't decide. Yeah. He's just like, Hey, you can get the thing. And also, Hey, if you guys want to buy this, you can take it. Like, yeah. what, what are you going yeah. for? So confusing. And it's just so creepy. And like, why would you ever take that? It, also, just bad planning on Maldus's part that his whole scheme rests on them blindly taking something that a creepy person gives them for free. And they take it, so I guess it worked. But it's like he just didn't have a backup because he was like, oh, they're definitely going to want this painting. And then they're like, no, we're going to leave. And he says, no, 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 um, um, you, you can have it for free. You can just take it. No strings attached. It's not creepy at all. It's a good thing. And like, why? But then why do they take it then? That seems even more sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it doesn't make any sense. So we start there and then Chiana gets back to Moya and she sees a DRD with her, with her little necklace. Necklace. She's like, oh, the necklace. That, That must mean that this painting can tell the future or some shit. And then it turns into a picture of her with, uh, her leg detached. And then she trips on the DRD and, and breaks her leg. 
<laughs> Stupid. Yeah, so that means that this thing tells the future or something. Or makes the future. Um, right. And the DRDs are pretty cute, by the way. Just wanted to bring that oh, up. Oh, they're adorable. They're they were used in a lot of interesting ways this episode. Yeah, they, they got more more screen time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't remember. I think that's where the cold open ends, right? Yes, you're correct. You're correct. Trips, trips and breaks are like. Then we come back to the ship and uh, Rigel's like sniffing potions and stuff in in zon's room yep and she gets upset about that but he's testing the validity of of the tiara which is real apparently according to his potions and stuff but it is never important in the whole episode right the tiara no not at all it never does anything no there are that's my biggest problem this episode is that there's a ton of things that are brought up and not made interesting at all okay so Rigel's huh. kind of, he's out of this episode. He doesn't have anything to do until like the, until very, the very last, last. scene. Yes. And then he just really saves it, the whole episode. <laughs> he actually, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the first scene of real import is, I think John and Zan have a conversation about how Chiana's worried that this painting like foretells the future or something. Um, and Zan is wondering if other people are playing tricks on Chiana. And Chiana won't let Zan take a, a piece of of the painting or won't take the let her take the painting to mess with it because she's being weirdly protective of it for some reason uh but zan is able to eventually take a small sliver to do some tests on um and then we that sort of set aside for now then dargo goes to hang out with chiana in her room uh and they have a weird scene every it felt like a lot of scenes in this episode started with characters kind of just talking to each other and being cool and then by the end one of them was really mad and then has to storm out yeah and that happened multiple times. Um, it's baffling. And that scene, is is that the one where they talk about, like, don't you want to see your future? Yeah. That's another perfect example of a thing that could have been a really interesting theme of this episode. Is like, oh, maybe she wants to keep the mirror because she's really fascinated by what can come ahead. Right. But I was thinking about that today. There was something I was talking about with someone that was like, how nice would it be to just get a brief glimpse of, like, oh, things are going to go well. And she asks him, like, wouldn't it be great if you could, like, that, I like that line. Yeah. Where she goes, wouldn't you want to know if Joffy's alive? Mm-hmm. And Dargo's like, well, no, I don't. Because if he's not, then I'm wasting my time. And she's like, wouldn't you be happy to stop if you knew that it's all wasteful anyways? And then he's like, then why am I doing anything? <laughs> yeah. If I know things are going to fail, then why do I try anything? <laughs> right. And that almost is an interesting and compelling character interaction that the two of them have and then it turns weird and they're like kind of flirting with each other Um, yeah this this episode reminded me that they're sorry to cut you off again they're just hardcore forcing that relationship yeah and it frustrates yeah so they're kind of flirting with each other and then chiana's like oh you want to see the future of like us and he's like no i don't want to see that and she's like why because you like want it to happen or like you don't want it to happen and he's like Chiana, like, I respect you. I'm Dargo. Blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> Crate. I want to be with Crate. <laughs> yep, that's that's pretty much what he says. And John and I recently discovered that one of the most popular fanfiction pairings in this show is actually Crate and Dargo. <laughs> and it makes me very happy. Um, yeah, and then she gets, like, mad at him or something. And yeah. she's like, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> and he's like... Such a child. Well, it, it's just so weirdly, I don't know, stereotypical, like, man-woman relationship. Yeah. It's just, exactly. It just is not very well written. And also the acting was weird in this scene because Gigi Edgeley is be- being put through the ringer of having to do, like, five different things in the scene and like switching every couple seconds and she's doing it admirably she's really carrying the scene 
And then Anthony Simcoe has to just be the guy who's like, no, I, you know, I feel the way that I feel. And that's the whole thing. And his face like doesn't move throughout the whole scene <laughs> at all. And part of it is Not that ever. facial hair, that obstructive facial hair makes it really hard to convey subtlety in a performance. Um, but yeah, it was just weird because they would cut to him and he's giving her nothing, you know. And it's the writing, really. But totally. you know, it's just a scene that I didn't, I didn't like. And then we go to another scene that I also did not like, um, which was a conversation between John and Aaron, where Aaron is talking about how uh, there are some people that she would just throw off the ship if they if she had the chance. <sighs> She's like, yeah, I would throw Rigel off the ship. Yeah, I'd probably throw Chiana off. Um, and then John is like. Would you throw me off, Aaron? Would you throw off Pilot? Ah, I'm John Crichton. Da da da. And he like leaves the room. And it's like, why? Why are they fighting? She has fair reason to still be a little distrusting of everyone, but also she's like not being ultra serious. Why are you mad? Yeah, she's also. It just didn't feel genuine that Aaron's son would be that way. Yeah. At this point in her in her development, especially, especially after, after last. Yeah, week. especially after last episode, where she's like a decent person who cares about people. And yeah, she's like, screw all you guys. If I could pilot this, I would do it myself. Yeah. What? I, what? I'm not, I'm not buying it. It's such a, it no. was such a weird scene. Is that the scene where he talks about his great aunt Ruth? I don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> I like that line. Um, Forget it. So John goes to hang out with with Zahn. She's like hearing voices throughout this episode, which is also pretty dumb. Um, and then she's like, this painting is really scary. It's a scary thing. Uh, Chiana's in danger. We got to destroy this. And then kind of a weird moment from her where she grabs John and she says, listen, I can't tell you anything, but there's going to be a point where I tell you to do stuff and you have to do it. Was that Chiana or Zahn? Zahn was doing that. Yes, correct. Thank you for letting me pass the test. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I wasn't sure. I was just asking. um, So Zahn is being really intense. Yeah, him. like she knows way more. That was a, that was a really crazy scene because she it's like did she plan for this whole episode to happen or something? She like I don't know. It was a little bit she ahead. She like knew what was going on pretty quickly. She is she's the hero of this episode, which is so weird. This episode becomes focused on her in a really awkwardly handled way. Yeah. Um but she's like, Yeah, I am gonna have to tell a bunch of people to do stuff and they have to do it right away. Are you down? And he's like, Um sure. And then she's like, Yeah, go get me that painting and we're gonna destroy it. Right. <clears throat> uh so he's he's totally okay with it. Then Chiana screams because the painting has has turned and i kept i was like cooking dinner at the time that i was watching this episode and i kept getting up um at the part where it's showing the visual of the painting changing i kept i kept (laughs) missing it and i was like oh i gotta rewind and watch that again not worth it no not worth it also do they even show it yeah they do like a weird ripple thing oh yeah and then it transforms and it turns into a picture of her on fire (laughs) she's just on fire so she's really scared uh and dargo's like okay Here's what we do. I'll pick her up and put her in the freezer. <laughs> I'll literally fridge her. Yeah, exactly. Um, and John's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And Aaron's son is like, what are you What are you doing? You can't just put her in a freezer. And then John says, Pilot, can you make it so that it's cool to put her in the freezer? And Pilot says, yes, I can do that. I, I'll make it warm and blah, blah, blah. And then they put her in a freezer and she gets set on fire. <laughs> and she burns to death. And now she's dead. And the only thing R.I.P. left John. is her wig. No, the thi- okay, I thought the only thing left was her wig, and I was like, that's the, because du- it's like a pile of dust, and it looks like her wig is on yeah. top. That's the necklace. What? That was the necklace there. No, that was her hair. Look closer. I watched the scene. That wouldn't make sense if her her hair would have burned. Right. That's why I was like, this is so stupid. No, that is, you're right. I looked at that's it, and I was like, so that. crazy. 
Yeah, it's her necklace that gets the drop. Also, if it was her hair, that would have been hilarious. Not consistent with the rest of the episode. No. That when you people die, is? they disappear. You know what it is about this this episode that made it work for me a little bit? What? This ep- a little bit. This episode is Final Destination. Uh, have you heard of the Final Destination yes, films? Yes, I think so. You know what they're about? There's like death or something, right? And it's like weird. Oh my god, death. There, it's Final Destination. For those who don't know, and also Magellan are a long running series of uh, schlocky ass horror comedy films, mostly horror, but that are unintentionally funny. Uh, where people like teens see their deaths and try to prevent them. And uh, because they try to prevent them, they uh, they end up alternatively dying in sort of cosmically ironic ways. Mm-hmm. So this episode is just that. As people are like, no, no, no. I, that thing shows me on fire. I'm going to make it cold. And then the, like, the freezer breaks. And now, oh, whoops, I died and I'm on fire. And it's funny in Final Destination because they know how dumb it is. This episode doesn't know that it's dumb. Right. And it tries to be like, no, we're all going to die. We're screwed. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's bad. Also, the back half of it makes no sense. Yeah. So... Chiana was burned to death. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't get her out of the freezer and she was on fire. R.I.P. So now they're kind of like, oh, what the hell's going on? This is bad. And then the painting changes again. And now it shows <gasps> uh, Dargo. And uh, he's going to he's gonna die. He's got a quality blade through the chest. They, right. He has some kind of sharp object through the chest. And he's like, this signifies a, a quality blade. Um, and they, like, got rid of the painting at some point. Like, threw it out the airlock. And then it came back. No, the first thing that they did was, uh, John, sorry, I, this is not important. John gives it to Zahn, hey, <laughs> and she puts, like, green goo on it, which it is, like, fire, light, right? lighter gel, sets it on fire, and they're like, yay, we did it. Then it comes back, and then he's like, get it as far away from here as we can, and then they throw it out the airlock, and then it gets, like, exploded into shards, and then it's back on the ship again. Okay. So it's just, that's like, a, yes. Anyway, then it's like, Dargo's gonna get impaled, so he says, oh, this is a Qualta blade. He gives Zahn his quality blade. She takes it away. And then he stands in front of something very sharp. And is like, John, you've been a good guy. And John's like, thanks, man. Now shut up. You're not going to die. And then he gets impaled by the sharp thing he was standing in front of. Because that, we... was, that was the moment where I realized that this was Final Destination. That's insanely stupid. Yeah, it was so dumb. Because he goes, okay, here's what we need to do. We're going to get you into a big open... Like, John Cryan's like, we're going to get you into a big open room. No sharp things. Come over here. What is that pointy thing right behind you? <laughs> yeah, what? Right? What are you doing? Right? Um, and then he's like, oh, everything's fine. The ship shakes a little bit and dead <laughs> and stabbed. But he turns into glass. Yeah, he shatters. Mm-hmm. And then we also, we had a quick thing where they're like, all right, Aaron, you need to go back to the planet and then uh, you can take the Farscape. And she has that little moment where she mumbles like, that's fucking earth, <laughs> ship, garbage, crap. And he's like, what the... What are you? Why are you complaining now? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so she goes back to confront Kaivin, the 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 vendor, the Jamaican vendor, and Rigel sneaks on the ship just cause, and just cause. I just want to mention that because I never realized how big Rigel's neck is until we got to see him right there. I think that might have just been a head and neck puppet. What do you think? That's entirely possible. Because <laughs> he's just poking his head out from behind her shoulder, like, "Hey, I'm here," and she's like, "Why?" And he's like, "I I like Chiana. She, Chiana was cool. She deserved better." Mm-hmm. Which is cool. I like that coming out of this episode. Yeah, because you were talking about how we like that relationship a lot, mm-hmm. but it's, it's in a bad episode. Um, so when Dargo dies, <laughs> we find out that when you die, you don't die. Uh, and Alan, how would you describe uh, this realm that you're transported to? An, an aha music video meets an Edward Munch painting. Good. Oh, man. You did it. Uh, basically, he's in this weird place with a yellow brick road and some like <laughs> arches and uh everything looks like it's really hot because we get that oh my god sort of, that effect is so that shimmering 
uh, fluid it's the heat, wave, heat wave thing. Yeah. Which <laughs> can I just? Uh, I think I should make one of these somehow the thumbnail of the episode, but this effect that is on the rest of the episode whenever they're in that weird painting land uh-huh. makes everybody's face look so weird. And uh, one of Magellan's favorite uh, YouTube videos is this video called Potion Seller, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is basically just a guy with a Mac uh, and a ca- that camera app for, I think it's, uh, I don't know what the app is called, but it makes your face all distorted and he does, he says funny things and it's whatever, it's hilarious, I guess. And everybody looks like that. Everybody looks a little bit, but like yeah, not it's extremely. it's got that funhouse effect. But, but like it's, it's doing it during very serious scenes and Crichton, who already has a really weird, like awkward looking face and like eye, nose bridge depth mm-hmm. thing. Every time it focuses on him, he's like, I can't even visualize this because like, it's an audio thing. But he's just like, Shiana, you can't... And then, like, one of his eyes is, like, drifting off to the little heart. <laughs> and you're like, oh, nothing is serious. This is so stupid. Yeah. I kept taking pictures of it. I'm going to make one of those things. Because, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So funny. Um, so we're, and also, it's like a maze or something. And you can see other people. They're upside down in the arches sometimes. Yeah. It's just... Which is... Yeah. I don't know. There are things that, on paper, seemed like interesting visuals. And there are, like, brief seconds in there where it actually looks cool, but most of the time it just looks really dumb, which is unfortunate. And it's not based in anything. It's just portrait world. Right. Some people's faces are upside down in windows. Some people are in, like, It a reminded me room. of the secret uh, levels that you find in Super Mario Sunshine, where they take away uh, your water squirting thing. Oh, and you're running on those, like, geometric shapes yeah. that spin. and you're just kind of, like, suspended in space. Yeah, and, like... It has the problem is that at least those things had a sense of space because you're moving through them. Mm. This thing has no sense of space. Like I don't know how distant anything is from anything, right. and I, I don't know what they were filming on. But there's the part where Crichton gets in. Spoilers, just getting ahead. Crichton also goes into yeah, the, he gets uh, elect- he gets electrocuted, and then goes like full uh, T pose <laughs> when he goes there. But he's like look going through, and he goes, "Hey, Dargo's through there." And then Dargo's like, "No, no, no, no don't go through the." And he goes through the window, but like one arm is still in, and he's like, "Wait, what am I in? Like, yeah. am I trapped here now? I don't like why. Why was that a big deal? And he went through the door or the window or yeah, I'm, I was confused, Magellan. It's just like a weird maze place or some shit. Got um. Anyway. So we find out that uh, through telepathy, Zahn uses like weird telepathy that she and John have because they engaged in unity, which if you don't remember in Blue. from, huh? In which scene? No, in Rhapsody. Oh, in Rhapsody in Blue. That's right. Yeah. Back in season one. They had that weird mm-hmm. mind sex thing. So now they <laughs> have telepathy it. or something. Uh, and mm-hmm. she's like, hey, uh, so here's the deal. It's Does she say it's Maldus in that part? She says Maldus can't hear us. Oh, something. so they already knew. I guess. I don't remember. I don't know how they found out yeah, that. I don't remember when they find out. Um, she says that she was... Oh, what it was is uh, Aaron and Rigel confront Kyven, and, th- and Aaron threatens to shoot her, and is like, why did you paint this portrait? Who made you do it? And then she's like, it oh, was yeah. Maldus. Um, and in my phone, when I was taking notes, the note that I wrote at that moment was <clears throat> oh fuck 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 fucking Maldus fuck 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 that guy fuck <laughs> that's basically so it. that gives you gives you a sense of how much I dislike Maldus um, Maldus is the is the poison that ruins decent episodes of Farscape and makes them awful well I mean the two episodes he's been in were not but they decent. could have been they decent. had they stuff could. in them that was interesting I guess that, that's what I mean um, but he is just an incarnation of like people not getting it's like if somebody who had heard of farscape was writing a farscape episode like maldus is the kind of shit they would cook up 
I feel like. He's the evil wizard. Yeah. Because um, it just, magic, He's... magic does not make sense in this show, really. And a magic painting that when you die, uh, it's, it, it also doesn't it's make sense. It's just not a Farscape episode. He just doesn't have enough good motivation either. Like, he's just mad because Crichton's like, ha, I, you're mad because I beat you. And he's like, no, it's, I'm mad at Zahn because she beat me and you were there. She saved you. And he's like, oh, I get, <laughs> Crichton has this moment where he realizes that he's not the hero of this episode. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait, what? And then Zahn comes in and saves the day. But like, it doesn't seem like enough motivation for Maldus to right. be like, I'm going to ruin your lives and make you feel real pain. Well, but also his thing is that like, he's energized by fear or something. That's true. Which, that is a cool idea. A a villain that feeds off of fear. But there's a better way to conceptualize that than that he's a sorcerer that creates weird fear places. Yeah. I don't know. It's just he's he's so does not fit in Farscape that it it's... And he just looks like a doofy wizard who can't lift his arms because his cloak is too big. Yeah, <laughs> um, I stopped taking notes after a while towards the end of this. Yeah, episode me too. It was just not good. Well, basically, what happens is John gets put into the thing, and then uh, everyone's like, oh, "Are we screwed?" And then Aaron and uh, Rigel are like, "We're going back. We're going to save everyone." And then uh, they're about to go back, and Zon goes into the painting, and at the same time, she tells them, "Hey, kill Kyvin." And so she goes into the painting. Yeah. And uh, I get how did she kill herself? Um, I just remember that the image was that she was shattered. I think she fell off of Pilot's platform. Yeah, something like that. And Pilot and was just so like, she... Zan, oh my god, what the hell it just happened? Everyone's dead. I'm alone. Wait, and then he's like, wait, there's someone to room in here. Yeah. This is nice. I like it. <laughs> I would love to watch that episode uh-huh. <laughs> where just Pilot's like... So, and he, like, turns the radio on because it's way too quiet. It hasn't been that quiet in a long time. Uh, but she's in the painting, and Maldis talks a lot. Even, even the, uh, this episode tries to be self-aware. Like, uh, Crichton's like, oh, and then this is the scene where you come out and you, like, tell me your plan and, like, you know, rant to me. And he's like, no, screw you. Maldis comes out and he's like, uh, uh, but here's my plan and mm-hmm. I'm going to b- gloat to you. And uh, Zan comes in and uh, he threatens everybody and then a bunch of crap happens and then he steps on her to scare everyone. And he, he puts everyone else into the paintings by spitting on the painting. <laughs> right. Did you catch yeah. that? He's just like, all right, how about you go in there? And then they're like, oh, no, I'm in the painting. Knock, knock. I can't get out. Why? And then Zan's the only one not a painting. I will say the, like a painting. the thing that I liked about Maldis um, is one of the things that I liked about In Crackers Don't Matter when we saw that fake version of Scorpius, which is the idea of a villain who can speak in John Crichton's um, slang, vernacular. his vernacular. It yeah. makes villains scarier to me for some reason. Yeah, I do like the way Maldus talks. He doesn't. He's not just like an evil British guy. He's got like a regular American-ish manner of speaking. Right, um, which isn't really all that good. Like, that's not a reason to like Maldus, yeah, but it is no. an interesting feature of villains on this show that I hope comes back in, in some other form. Uh, You're talking about Scorpius from last week? Yeah. You mean the Scorpius that was all like, uh... Kill her! Then we'll have pizza! And margarita shooters! <laughs> <laughs> that is from our, uh, quickly becoming a Farscape-focused soundboard. Oh yeah, I, I love it, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's a clip from last week. Um, let's just jump right to the, the end of this. Yeah. They beat Maldus somehow or something. No, no, no. You know what happens? Then, there, he, he steps all over Zahn. She's like, ow, I'm getting stepped on. And it's like a little fucked up. Oh, and then they're like, oh, oh kill uh, Kyvin. Yep. And then <laughs> Aaron's son just shoots Kyvin point blank. And it's like, oh, no, I fell back. And uh, 
this is the part where it gets a little muddy. Uh, he gets knocked back inside of the painting world also uh-huh. because Kaivin's also him. And uh, he gets he goes into like a window and then they all fall. This is the part where I felt like I honestly was having a fever because <laughs> I've been sick for the last couple of days. And uh, now this is a giant like hand coming out of a window. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So two two things, two really annoying effects. One is when Zan gets up from being yep. on the ground and she does like a weird Bruce Lee flip kick. Um, was that the first time we saw her feet, by the way? Because I feel like that was it's weird. It's possible. I don't know. Um, and then they like t- kind of fight for a little bit and then she kind of beats him somehow. And then she's too tired to leave. So John picks her up and takes her. Uh, and then, of course, when Dargo and Chiana go through this weird ripple door back into Moya, they like fall on top of each other. And have a moment of, oh, hmm, well, I guess mm. we're on top of each other, huh? Oh. Um, and then when Zan and John go through, following them is, a, it's a giant hand. It's Maldus' <laughs> giant hand, and he's kind of, like, weirdly groping around. <laughs> as if you're, like, groping behind a cabinet to get something exactly. that you Exactly, like, you're looking for, the, you're looking for the, the one cookie you dropped, and it's, like, clean enough that you still want it. Uh-huh. Like, uh, it's, it's, I can't, I don't and, it's, and they're like, oh, no, wacky hand, even though it can't reach us. Yeah. What do we do? So, I don't know. It just was really dumb. Then And then the way they so they got rid of it was really dumb. Oh, they picked up a DRD and had it shoot its lasers. <laughs> they used the DRD like a portable good turret. <laughs> I kind of like that, actually. Yeah, it was it was cute. That was another, like, oh, my God, I want a DRD uh, plush you really badly. And then the whole, like, wall and uh, glass thing cracks and dies. Right. Yeah, he's dead. So then we get to the tag of the episode. Yep. Um, and it's in two parts. Let's talk about the second part first. Yeah. Crichton goes to Zan, and he's like, oh, man, that was rough, huh? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, you fooled us with your acting. She's like, no, I was really scared. So, I never been more scared in my life. He's like, ah. And then the Farscape song comes on. Is that an interesting development? No, okay. not really. <laughs> no, it's the not. interesting thing that this episode teaches us about Zan is that in some ways she's fundamentally unknowable. Yeah. Like she is easily the most secretive character on the show, which is kind of a bummer because for a while we haven't known a lot about her and I've been kind of waiting to, you know, learn something more about, about Zahn. Um, and we, she had that weird moment in the pilot in the first episode of this season that um, still has not been addressed fully where she was catatonic basically. Yeah. Um, so she kind of hasn't had an episode to be in the spotlight and have discrete, uh, logical development and motivations, which is a real shame because Virginia Hayes is great and they are, they're wasting her right now. Um, yeah. They're quickly running out of good chances to have a, uh, Zon episode. And so the episode that we get from her at the center is just this weird episode where she's like pretending like she doesn't know anything the whole time and then it turns out she knew everything and she was planning it from the beginning and everything was fine it's almost like a bad superhero comic right where everyone's like what are we gonna do and she's like i knew all along turns out i'm way better than the bad guy boink and then just yeah kill it's just it's it's just not great um but the other half of the tag was great yeah it was great in spite of the rest of the episode which is it's, this is the only scene of the episode where I was like they knew that this was stupid right. they totally knew. So on the one hand, it makes this episode better, but it also makes it way worse because yeah. it means that if they were trying to be funny in this episode the way that they were with Crackers Don't Matter, they did not succeed. And if the issue of they this, were trying yeah. to be scary, they also didn't succeed. So what happened? In this well, so Chiana and Rigel are hanging out eating snacks. eating snacks, 
like they do. And they're just trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> Rigel's like, she's like, like, I don't get it. What happened? And Shiana's like, no, no, no. Listen, Zan explained it to me. Basically, here's the deal. He was trapped in a place. He had to manipulate matter outside of the place to form Kaivin so that that person could give us the painting so that we could do whatever. And Rigel's like, that doesn't make any sense. And Shiana's like, well, you know, whatever. And then they throw food at each other, and it's adorable. She she explains, like, most of the plot of the episode, though. And she's like, and then Zan knew about it, and she went in, and then we killed it, and then he died, and then we they fought a giant hand. And then he's like, what? Where? How did... Right. I Did I miss this whole thing? Because yeah. there's a scene at the beginning, like, uh, or when he um, finds out that, uh, I think, Shiana died. And they're like, where were you? Were you, like, asleep or something? And he's like, I, no one told me. Yeah. I was I was out. And then this is the scene where it's like, no, you guys knew that this was dumb. And yeah, it, it, pointing out that you're dumb doesn't make it better. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And th- that's the thing that I was, I also texted you about this episode and this whole issue of it being awa- self-aware or not is when they get the, the painting very, very quickly, everyone's like, this is a bad painting. Even though they got it on and that's stupid. And like, why did you even bring it onto the ship then? Mm-hmm. After like two seconds of it showing people getting hurt, they're like, nope, we got to get rid of it. And pretty much everyone agrees, except, I mean, Chiana's getting hurt by it, and then she dies. And I was like, wow, good on the Farscape crew, or, you know, the Moya crew, for finally realizing that when you bring something onto the ship, it's almost always going to cause problems. Right. And Crichton's like, we should just lock all the doors and not let anybody or anything on this place ever again. And that's also part of the scene where uh, uh, Aaron's son is like, we should just also kill everyone on the ship or get rid of all of them. So this episode, at moments, gets it. Or the characters get it. I don't know. It just... It's, uh, yeah, that's frustrating. It's just an ill-advised episode. Um, yeah, and it was a waste of Zahn and Maldus. I hate, but he doesn't. He doesn't come back again. So really, yep. thank goodness. Yeah. Do, you, do you? Was there any good back, background information from this episode, courtesy of the Farscape Encyclopedia? Well, let me take a look at it. Uh, the inspiration for this episode came from a 1985 article titled "Slow Glass" that David Kemper had read. I don't know what that means, but it sounds not good. Uh, they referenced the Bond from Rhapsody in Blue. Uh, Virginia Hayes stated in a web chat that, quote, kicking Maldus's ass gave me great joy. Every moment is heaven playing Zahn. I really do love being her. That's At least she enjoyed it, I guess. Yeah. Um, this episode featured a new production designer, uh, and he got some praise, which I will say, like, the painting itself was a cool prop. I think the prop work in this episode was good. Yeah. Um... It's just kind of like a red herring. It's just like the bad thing that causes bad things to happen. Yeah, but it looked like like if you were going to make a space painting, it makes sense that it yeah. would be like three panes of of some kind of glass-like material, and it just looks weird. I don't know. And then the whole yeah. like uh, Kaivin's store ship, all the props in there looked really cool. Also, I always want I always want to see more of that stuff, not more of the dumb magic words. Uh, here's a quote from Rockney Sobanen. <gasps> Love he says, it. we liked Maldus as a villain. <laughs> so whenever you've got someone like that, you want to bring them back, if you can, and see if you can do more. The episodes with him become less concrete because the ground rules of what he's capable of are less certain. That's not a good thing. <laughs> he doesn't have any rules. We just kind of do things with yeah. him. Isn't that great? No, you can't write a show like that. Uh-uh. You can't say, oh, this bad guy is a bad guy when he shows up. Who knows what's going to happen? Things are weird. Ugh. Rock me. Bubby. Come on. Come on. Andrew Prowse remembered the difficulties on set because of the amount of effects required. It was a very effects-heavy episode. This episode, I think, is one of the ones that has aged the worst. This is me saying this, not him. (laughs) That's Rock Me. I haven't started uh, started quoting him yet. 
Um, I think this may be the episode that has that looks the oldest out of any Farscape episode. It's using polygonal effects and like visual effects that are bad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Andrew Prow says, "Quote: It was a conceptually ambitious story, and considering what we had, we nearly pulled it off." The biggest problem Chris Haywood had was remembering what was going on. Okay, I'm standing on this set. Now just remind me, who's in that hole? What am I looking at? <laughs> you can't get all the actors in that scene to interact with each other. You just can't do it. You're interacting with a stationary image, and in that sense, it's really hard to judge performance and getting that dynamic going on. Then don't do it! Right. Uh, this episode normally airs after The Way We Weren't, but it was produced first and contains a few scenes, most notably, most notably the discussion between Crichton and Aaron in the mess hall that breaks some character development continuity. Oh, So that explains okay. that, I suppose. That makes perfect sense. I had a feeling it was something like that. So that is Picture, if you will. A stinker. And Arrested Development Season 4 of episode. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say The Way We Weren't is the best episode of the season so far. Picture, if you will, is the worst. Easy. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Now, we're going to be watching two more episodes next week, Alan. John, I need you right now to do one thing for me, and that is to look up the Netflix summaries of those episodes and read them to me in a beautiful, sexy voice. I will. Is this beautiful and sexy? Really? Any voice. Okay, I'll just do my normal voice. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. (laughs) Uh, We're watching two episodes. The first one is Farscape Season 2, Episode 7, Home on the Remains. Uh, what a title. The crew heads for a mining colony. When they arrive, they must contend with the camp's overlord. Each of the crew goes to work to obtain supplies. Oh, no. That sounds like a lame episode. Yeah, it does. Uh, and then Season 2, Episode 8, Dream a Little Dream. While searching for news of Crichton, Moya's crew finds themselves on the planet Litigara, a world where lawyers comprise most of the population. <laughs> Fuck the <this> show! <laughs> what are you doing? Litigar is the lawyer place. <laughs> so, that oh episode, um, if you remember from our discussion of... What was the first episode? Uh, Mind the Baby. The mic, by the way. Yep. There was... Mind the Baby was going to be the second episode. And then there was going to be another episode before it of what everybody else was doing while uh, John and Aaron and, and Darko were gone. So that's this episode. That's Dream Little Dream? Yeah. It's the story of what the crew was doing in between uh, Family Ties and Mind the Baby. Interesting. Yeah. Although, we've talked a little, about, a little bit about this off-air. Uh, Daniel Rando, the uh, journalist at Polygon, who did, is a big fan of uh, Farscape, and a couple months ago... Uh, wrote up a nice uh, article called The Farscape Skip List, which I can link to in the show notes. Uh, and in that, she lists off a bunch of episodes that are like, oh, these are worth it, these are not worth it. And that's all her opinion, but I like to keep track of those because uh, it's nice to see, like, oh, what do people not like about the show? What are some episodes that people consider skipping? Mm-hmm. And uh, we are in the, the dregs of uh, those skips for season two. Season two is basically front-loaded with a lot of skips. Um, the first one was actually Vetus Mortis, and then... Uh, this week's uh, picture, if you will, and both of next week's episodes on her skip list. So those should be fun to discuss. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll decide for ourselves if we think that those are also worth skipping. John, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being for being here uh, with me for Escape Shots episode fifteen. And uh, you can, if you're interested in Magellan's style of humor and his sort of wacky brain, then you can check out his really hilarious, uh, and this is not me just saying hilarious because I'm his friend, but hilarious because it's funny, uh, webcomic, and it's called Platonic Solids. You can find that at theplatonicsolidscomic.tumblr.com, and that's all one word. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Alan Ibrahim, 
That's A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. And uh, you can follow Magellan at twitter.com slash justafluke. That's fluke spelled P-F-L-U-K-E for all you cool people out there. Next week should be another uh, in-person episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it should. I'm excited for that, man. You're going to be back for a week, and we're going to get to hang out and watch Farscape. Totally. So stay tuned for that. And this has been Scape Chats. somewhere in the universe.